Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard. Well, there is definitely a lot to talk about every single week. It seems like we are getting slammed by more and more info and news coming from various sources of entertainment. Um, one thing that I found really, really funny, an observation that I had made, whether anybody agrees with it or not, or maybe, you know, I'm late to the party. I don't know. One thing that I found really funny was this past weekend while Disney was having having its D23 uh, convention, which if you don't know what D23 is, you've never heard of it before. I kind of completely understand because it's it's a big deal to the people that know about it, but it's not really a big deal. D23 is not something like San Diego Comic-Con, which is worldwide, you know, recognized and known. Now, Disney has been for the last few years pushing D23 in a big bad way. They've been trying to get it out into the mainstream more and more. And they've certainly, over the last few years, they've acquired, you know, intellectual property such as Lucasfilm or Pixar or Marvel to make that possible. But as of now, Disney's not good at it. They're not good at their own conventions it does not matter what anybody says. There, a lot of people that go there go for the hype and the chance to buy exclusive merchandise, but it's still a very small attended show. I don't think they take up all of the convention space that they occupy, and I think that they could, honestly. I mean, I think they, like I said, they have enough IP now with... Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Marvel, um, Pixar, that they could put a show on that would be potentially as big as San Diego Comic-Con. They could come with it every single year. In fact, you know, Disney could really avoid going to all other conventions and build the hype up so big for D23 by withholding from every other convention that once, you know, once it arrives, it's like, boom, just an explosion of information and, you know, and, and people looking forward to stuff. But D23 is not run very well. And it is, uh, the potential is a lot is being left on the table. A lot of people that went to this, uh, this past one that just happened, uh, we're disappointed with the way that it was run. We're disappointed with the lack of um, ability to get the, you know, the merchandise that they were looking for or the news that they were looking for. I will tell you, I'm about to go through the list of just the Marvel stuff that came out, and um, and I'm disappointed. You know, I 
I thought that they would be coming with a lot more. And instead, what we got, at least in my opinion, is information that we pretty much already knew about. You know, now they did give us more visual information, but they didn't really come out with anything new that we didn't already know that was coming, you know, down the pike or I don't know if it's down the pipe or down the pike. I can't remember how it's, how it's said, but basically something that's coming from the, you know, coming in the future. Uh, now that being said, you might be a casual Marvel fan. You might be a casual, you know, uh, viewer. Uh, so maybe some of this stuff is, it, you know, and, and when I say viewer, I mean Marvel, not me. So some of this stuff might be new to you or relevant to you, which, you know, in which case, great. I'm glad I, I, I can bring some of this to you. And then I'll just give you my impressions. Uh, having not seen um, any of this, you know, the, the, the finished product, I'm only going based off of what I've already seen from Marvel, what's currently, you know, Marvel's currently put out and just my impressions, my general impressions of that. So here we go. Let's get started with um, the Marvel announcements at D23. We're, I'm taking the, the bit of information and the breakdown from a website called thedirect.com. So if you want to go check it out and read it in full, I'm probably not going to uh, read every single little thing that they wrote about this because I feel like that would just be totally boring and, you know, I'm going to give you my two cents. But uh, the first thing that they put down was a show that's coming out called Werewolf by Night, which if you don't know anything about Werewolf by Night, Marvel, DC, um, you know, and and a few other, well, Marvel and DC really, they're, they're the big hitters. Um, you know, they, they have a branch of, of their comic book universe that delves into the occult and, you know, uh, devil, things like that. And, uh, <laughs> devil. but, uh, yeah. So werewolf by night for Marvel lands under that. It's, it, you know, werewolf by night is actually, if I'm remembering my history and if I'm wrong, you're welcome to yell at me, but I believe that that is uh, J. Jonah Jam- Jameson's son, who goes, he's an astronaut and J. Jonah Jameson is the, um, you know, the owner of the Daily Bugle. He's the guy that is constantly giving Spider-Man a really hard time. And, you know, Spider-Man actually works for him as Peter Parker and he, he doesn't know, you know, but by now he does like he's, he, there's been several storylines where he, he finds out, you know, but anyway, the the uh, son of J. Jonah Jameson is a an astronaut, and in one of the trips that he makes to the moon, I think he finds like a enchanted or weird moon rock that he brings back with him, and that uh, causes the conversion or the change for him to go from human into werewolf, and you know he becomes a um, kind of like a pseudo anti hero, like superhero person. I confess, I don't really know much of the history of, of this uh, character, but um, I know that he's a werewolf and I know that he's a good guy, at least in human form. So that was one of the trailers that they showed. In fact, everything that I'm going to be talking about, uh, there were bits and pieces that were shown to uh, the people that that attended D23. So there's descriptions of, of the things that they saw, but Werewolf by Night actually has a 
a trailer that is out for everybody to see. So in some cases they released a trailer for everyone. In other cases, they, you know, it was just for the people that attended D23. Like uh, same thing that Marvel did at San Diego Comic-Con. There were some things that were only exclusive for the people that were in Hall H. And then uh, some stuff got put out for the entire world to enjoy. Uh, the footage itself for Werewolf by Night makes me really nervous about this project. Um, and it looks like it's a one-off. It's not a series, which is kind of interesting. It looks like it's a like a holiday Halloween special that's going to be dropping actually really, really soon. Um, you know, the, in this next month. And uh, I don't know if it's an hour or two hours or what it is, but, and, and whether, you know, maybe depending on how this does, it will either, this character will either continue to live on in other, uh, you know, joining other heroes in, in other projects or the, or Marvel might cut its losses and say, you know what, uh, people are not ready for the world by night. And which would be a real shame because I'm ready for vampires and werewolves and zombies and, you know, all kinds of cool stuff coming into the MCU that is uh, part of, you know, horror and the occult. Definitely ready for that. I think if this does not do well, it won't be because the character is not well received. It will be 100% that the story is not any good, which means that the writing is not any good and the directing is not any good and the direction of this show or this one-off movie is not very good. You know, it's so easy to get a werewolf wrong and it's so easy to get a werewolf project right. Uh, you know, all, werewolves are, they're part of our mythology. And, and when I say part of ours, I mean the human race. Like werewolves are part of the human mythology. Like you can find uh, the the concept and idea of people that change from human into another, you know, into the shape of an animal or into, or into an animal, like that can be found all over the world for thousands of years now. That's, that's just part of our mythology and culture. So we are predisposed in my opinion to like things like this and to, you know, to, to be enticed by it and to romanticize it and to, um, you know, want to be frightened of it. And so, I think if this does not do well, it won't be because, you know, people aren't ready for it. It'll be because they, it wasn't done very well. But let's see what the direct says here. With a special landing in just under a month, it feels like the footage should have shown more of the tutelar werewolf himself, not only what he looks like, but some story about him. With how close the project was unveiled before its release, it feels like Marvel Studios just wants to get it out and move on. I agree with this. Um... The footage itself is like like I said, you can go and and check it out yourself. The whole thing is is filmed in black and white. It feels very campy. Um, the the it feels pulp at the same time, you know, nineteen twenties uh, style. But they're not they're not knocking it out of the park. And the moments of, of fright or, or that it are supposed to convey like you know fear didn't really pull that off for me either, which is, again, what makes me nervous about this. Now, a trailer can be cut wrong and not deliver, you know, what it, what the information that is trying to be delivered, for sure, that can happen. 
but I feel like a lot of the time people that cut trailers now are artists and they, and they're really good at it. And so to see this come off the way that it has is the very thing that made me nervous about it. Can you judge a book by its cover? I think so. And in this regard, this cover is making me very nervous. The next thing that was shown was Secret Invasion, which this trailer looked phenomenal. And this is like exactly what I'm talking about. The Werewolf by Night trailer didn't look good to me, so it didn't look like the the show is going to be any good. I don't know if that's the case or not. Obviously, I'm going to watch it, and I'm hoping and praying that it is good and that Werewolf by Night gets to live on. But if they get Secret Invasion wrong, that is going to bum me out because it it looks it looks fantastic. I mean, it looks like an espionage thriller, you know, and and obviously the uh, the scrolls, which are the shape shifting aliens from the Marvel universe, and that were first introduced in uh, Miss Marvel. They play a big part in it, at least in the comic books. Secret Invasion, that storyline is really awesome. I can't remember who came up with it, but I thought it was pretty genius. The scrolls are in a position where, like, well, we can't beat them, meaning the heroes of, of Earth. So rather than beating them, let's join them, in a sense, by taking over their positions and roles in uh, in society. And, you know, one by one, picking off all the heroes and it was this part is a little strange if i if i remember my my uh comic book history correctly but i believe that the masterminds for secret invasion put their people in without even their knowledge they like brainwashed the scrolls that they uh put in place of the heroes so that they would not give it up so they wouldn't you know they wouldn't give up the jig and and instead really act the part and then be activated once everything was completed. And then they would revert to themselves and know who they were. And, you know, the invasion by then was completely successful. If I remember correctly, that's the way that it ran. It was pretty genius. And, and uh, you know, they almost got away with it too. Those, you know, but if it wasn't for those pesky kids. And uh, so it did not succeed. But the trailer for this looks awesome. Let's see what they say here. Here's another one that will likely vary in ranking for many, but the trailer for Secret Invasion just doesn't have anything truly notable about it. Okay, so now <laughs> I completely disagree with the direct on this one. <laughs> It'll be nice to catch up with Don Cheadle's Rhodey and Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury, but it still feels like the preview could have used more details. However, it isn't set to air for at least six months, so it's understandable, understandable why so much uh, remains vague. Again, I disagree with the direct in this one. I loved the way that this uh, trailer was cut. It gives you this this sense that uh, Nick is running against time, that, that that's exactly who he's competing with this time, and he's trying to uh, basically wake people up, uh, you know, certain people, yet at the same time try to keep everything that's happening under wraps and secret so that there's not a, a worldwide panic is the sense that I got. For those who loved Captain America, The Winter Soldier, the trailer for Disney's, uh, Disney Plus series shows the project has a potential to invoke a similar experience to that beloved MCU outing. So while the teaser itself might not offer all that much, when the final product lands, audiences might be in for one hell of a dark and twisty ride. Um, again, I agree. And that's exactly what the trailer conveyed to me. So that's just, you know, difference of opinion between the direct. So next one is Ironheart. 
which is a character named Riri Williams, which, you know, in the comics, she uh, finds old Iron Man tech and she's a, a, a super genius level person in, in the Marvel universe. She ends up adapting the armor, make, you know, makes it her own and becomes basically like a, a newer version of Iron Man. Uh, but in this, it says Riri Williams first solo project, Ironheart has all the potential to be something great given how early the, the production, uh, in the production, the series is the trailer shown to audiences in, uh, hall D 23 didn't offer much. Most of it was very quick shots with little to no context. There wasn't much to latch onto. It's exciting to see the red hood come alive and the teases of Riri's suit as seen in set photos, given its concept alone. Exploring magic versus science, the show's overall appeals likely uh, skyrocket for most. So the Red Hood is a magic user in the um, in the Marvel Comics universe. And it looks like that's going to be either her main bad guy or one of her main bad guys in in her solo outing before she had before the show pops, you know, pops off. We're going to meet and get introduced to Riri in uh, Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. So that'll be the first time that she shows up. And I think it's a really good idea with all of these uh, shows is to introduce the character first in the cinematic, you know, the, the, the movie aspect of the universe and then bring them into their own show. Because we've become so accustomed to that formula and we know how that works uh, the audience in general whether you're a comic book lo- comic book lover or not or you're a marvel you know like you know a lot about marvel or not that's the way that your grandfather and grandmother to you know the the 12 year old in your house or the 11 year old in your house that's the way that they've been preconditioned to think about the marvel universe is there's a movie so it just makes sense to have the movie first and then bring the character into a, into a show and i really love the idea of bringing the character in as a secondary or third character in a movie, but with enough time, you know, screen time and enough weighty material that the audience goes, Oh yeah, I'd like to follow that person. And then boom, you drop them into their own TV show and you've got an instantly uh, built in audience. One of the things I think that she Hulk really suffered from in my opinion, and has not been able to recoup no matter, you know, was the fact that she was not introduced in a movie first, was the fact that nobody really, you know, got a chance to know her. Now, I don't know whether this was by accident or if it was planned that they knew, you know, that that just her by herself would be able to carry the show. So they have... um loaded the show up with a ton of cameos, you know, from people that you know very well to, you know, people that they're pushing for you to know really well and love. You know, I bailed after the the third episode, really. It, I've seen bits and pieces of, of, you know, the new one, but it's just, it does not hit for me at all. The show is just a complete miss. So I think it would have been better if we'd met Jennifer Walter's you know, in some other format, and then she'd come to have this show, I think it would be a much better received thing. So the next thing that they showed at D23 was Echo, which Echo was a character that was introduced in Hawkeye 
and the character is um i believe yeah she's deaf and uh she her father used to work for the kingpin the kingpin end up taking her father out uh, by betraying him and then the kingpin raised uh echo and you saw you know spoilers at the end of hawkeye you see her presumably kill the kingpin but we know now that that's actually not the case because uh vincent uh, d'onofrio has been making the rounds and he was actually at d23 when they did when they announced uh daredevil born again so let's see what it says here the promo seems to allude to the heroine having some sort of powers which would be a twist as it's not normally something she has access to in the comics besides the phoenix force which is which this is almost certainly or which this almost certainly isn't that alone was enough to increase interest in the upcoming series for most the footage also puts the spotlight on maya's ancestral history which is something that could end up being very unique element of her outing the teaser only hints at how all of that might be utilized but it seems like audiences could be in for a special treat as the story tackles indigenous culture and beliefs in a way unseen in the MCU thus far, and really in most of pop culture. One of the standout moments, while sadly not Maya herself, was Vincent D'Onofrio's king, Kingpin. It's always great to see that character come to life, so seeing him on screen once again brought joy to the hearts of many. His involvement in the show will certainly build more anticipation and hype. So that was the little blurb for the show that's coming, Echo. Next up was a sizzle that they did for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. There's not really much to say. I mean, in, in the sizzle reel that they put together for the people that were there, it's more of Angela Bassett, which is fantastic. Angela Bassett is, is awesome, and she's always fun to watch. But there's not really anything new, you know, in that regard. The next thing that was shown was footage for The Marvels. And The Marvels <clears throat> is an upcoming uh, movie. I may or may not know somebody that watched this. I may not or may not know something about it. And uh, definitely not something I could talk about. I, Except for I can say this, that Monica Rambeau and the, the small Miss Marvel are fantastic. And that's about all I can say. So let's see here. First and foremost, the dynamic between the three leads will clearly be a key driving force of the Marvel's success. Simply put, it looks like it'll be a blast to watch the trio navigate the problem they'll be facing. Obviously, Iman Velen's fantastic performance as Kamala Khan hasn't gone anywhere, and she'll certainly be the heart of the project. The group's costumes also look fantastic, and seeing them in action in a fun tag team-esque sequence with them swapping spots throughout uh, due to their powers being entangled was thrilling. So that was the, uh, what the direct said about the Marvel's movie that will be coming out. So the next thing that they, uh, showed or talked about was Loki season two. One of the bigger surprises that Marvel studios had in store was some new footage for the upcoming second season of their most successful Disney plus show. And it did not disappoint. What immediately stood out about the Loki footage was the overall tone and feel of it. Creepy and unsettling. If the entire season can keep that same vibe going through the whole season, then fans might be in for something truly special. Not only that, 
but the overall threat of Kang is still felt loud and clear. One of the best shots near the end of the teaser sees Tom Hiddleston, who is Loki, unveil three giant Kang head statues as if breaking an illusion. For those worried that the comedic touch of the first season will be lost, there's no need to worry. If the final exchange between Mobius and Loki in the trailer is an indication, these elements will still be present despite the impending doom of it all. That's actually really cool to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm actually very excited to see um, Loki season two. I I really uh, did like uh, Loki season one. It took me a little bit to kind of figure out how much I liked it um, because there was like some kind of creepy aspects of it with uh, Loki and female Loki. Um, you know, that's still like ugh, just to think about. Uh, you know, him being in love with himself, like that's like super ultimate narcissism on display and yet you know we're manipulated to kind of appreciate that and i don't really want to be manipulated in that way so that one was like eh, for me and there were some parts that kind of lagged in the show but they did end it incredibly well and you know no matter what regardless of, of the writing and the lack of direction in some moments of, of uh, loki season one Tom Hiddleston just kills it all the time. He's that dude, that dude embodies Loki so well. So it's always a pleasure to watch him work. The other thing that was shown there, which they showed uh, footage of it at uh, San Diego Comic-Con was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's see what these guys say. At the top of the list stands Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. While lots of the footage shown was seen during San Diego Comic-Con earlier this summer, there are still plenty of new tidbits that showcased how insane this movie might get. For one, <clears throat> seeing the status quo for Scott Lang after Avengers Endgame does not disappoint. Then there's Catherine Newton, who plays Casey. In just a brief footage she appears in, it's clear she'll be fantastic in the movie. While there are only a couple of fleeting glimpses of her in action, seeing that purple... Uh, Satter suit? I don't know what that means. Is thrilling to say the least. The best part, and a good chunk of the reason why it's so high on the list, is the scene between Paul Rudd's Scott Lang and Jonathan Major's King the Conqueror. The long version of the previously released exchange between them was fantastic and truly spine chilling. The world The World Better is ready for the MCU. <laughs> I don't, this is not my writing, this is their writing. I think they they mean to say the world isn't ready for the MCU's next next big bad, maybe I don't know. Um, another pro, Evangeline Lily's wasp suit is finally yellow and black. Oh, that's cool. I I still don't know that um, Kang the Conqueror will end up being the MCU's big bad. I think there's a misdirection going on here. I mean, it's just again. I know nothing about nothing. I have no secret information. Uh, you know, I work for the mouse, but in, in this regard, I literally know nothing. I'm just trying to piece things together based on, you know, what might be mo the most bang for your buck when it comes to moments and reveals. And I feel like phase four was very disconnected and very disjointed uh when it came to uh storytelling 
And we, we, you know, we got introduced in phase four to a lot of different heavy hitting creatures, you know, including King and including the, the judge, you know, of uh, the celestials. And I don't know, I, 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 I don't buy it. I feel like the big bad is going to come in and be ushered by the fantastic four. I think that'll be, oh, and, and again, and I think this is a misdirect when you, when you see Avengers, uh, the King dynasty and then Avengers, um, uh, multiverse saga. I think that, um, I think the King is going to end up taking a back seat to somebody else. And my prediction is it's Dr. Doom. That's, that's what I've always thought. I think Dr. Doom is a worthy, um, villain for the MCU, but more importantly, a worthy successor to Thanos. And I feel like you need, you know, Jonathan Majors, the, the actor that is playing Kang is fantastic. I mean, go and watch the last episodes of Loki season one the guy is having a great time, not a good time. He's having a great time in the role and he plays it weird and he plays it unpredictable and you, he plays it sincere. So you believe what, you know, what he's saying because he believes what he's saying and he's able to back it up, but he doesn't have the weight. And, and even if, even with the footage for, uh, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and, uh, Quantumania, even in that where he's pondering and th- and wondering and threatening Scott Lang, it does not have that uh, that same thing that Thanos has where, you know, he's talking to Tony. He's like, you know, Stark, you know, that exchange that him and Tony are having. And, you know, he tells Tony he's also burned with bur- burdened with knowledge. Even the way, you know, when he's, when he mentions Tony's name and Tony's like, you know me, you know who I am. And it's that there's so much weight going on with that. The exchange that, well, really the exchange that Thanos seems to have with everybody when he does talk with people, you know, he talks to Tony, he talks to Peter Quill, he talks to Dr. Strange and every time he's communicating, it's, it's bone chilling because you just feel like this guy could pop off at any second and it's unpredictable so let's see what the direct uh, maybe the final thing they said it's crazy just how much marvel studio has to show off to fans at any given time they completely blew away the competition at san diego comic-con i see i disagree again i disagree that they blew san diego comic-con away i think all of the biggest information was delivered there so let me see here um, and they didn't hold back for D23 either. Oh, I see what they're saying. They completely blew away the competition at San Diego Comic-Con, and they didn't hold back for D23 either. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that. They completely blew everybody away with the announcements they did at San Diego Comic-Con. I think less here, but, you know, still. It's only going to get better from here. The amount of content Marvel has going forward is almost unfathomable. When D23 returns in 2024, fans will likely be able to lock uh, to look forward to footage from the MCU's next mega event movie in Avengers the King Dynasty with a slim chance of teased for uh, chance teased for Avengers Secret Wars as well. 
Oh yeah, that's right. It's Secret Wars. Odds are 2023 might finally be the year when Marvel Studios officially talks about stuff such as Nova, Wonder Man, the Fantastic Four cast at San Diego Comic-Con as well. And one of the things that wasn't talked about here, but they um, they did show at the expo was was the announcement of the team for the Thunderbolts. That was actually pretty fascinating. Somebody online made a really good point that like five of the characters have the exact same powers. And I thought that was a very strange move. So moving along with more MCU news that was delivered at uh, D23, because I realized now that the things that I was reading about was footage that was actually shown. And then there were presentations that were shown and people that came out on stage, but they didn't have any footage for them yet. One of them was uh, Captain America, the new Captain America movie with uh, Anthony Mackie in the main role you know, former Falcon, now uh, Cap himself. Um, he, uh, the cast came out with him on stage. And uh, one thing that I thought was really curious about that was that they didn't have Sebastian Stan come out with him because Sebastian Stan was there at the uh, at the convention uh, for the Thunderbolts reveal. But it looks like he's not going to be part of the Cap movie, which is a bummer because I think those guys have really great chemistry together and they're just fun to watch. So I don't know. Uh, I know that um, the gentleman that was in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show that was the, uh, I think he's a Hispanic fella who was the partner of Falcon and he was helping him out with Intel. Uh, what I've read is that guy is going to be taking over the Falcon role while, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Sam Wilson will be taking the full role of Captain America. He's still going to have his wings, but it looks like the, uh, the other guy's also going to get, you know, wings as well. So there'll be, you'll have two flying, uh, you know, tech MCU heroes with, with bird wings. So that should be fun. But, um, it says here, the direct says, the villain was confirmed, but it's a character that hasn't been seen in the MCU since the franchise began in 2008. During Marvel Studios' panel at D23 Fan Expo, um, Kevin Feige confirmed that the villain for 2024's Captain America New World Order will be the leader, played by Tim Blake Nelson. This will be Nelson's second time appearing in the MCU, having first played Samuel Stearns in 2008's The Incredible Hulk. Nelson even appeared at the event, calling it an absolute honor to be part of such a historic franchise again. And uh, let me see. I'm delighted Marvel is part of the uh, cinema history, blah, 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 whatever. So additionally, the other stars from the new Captain America movie made an appearance on stage alongside the leading actor, Anthony Mackie, and director Julius Ona. This included Carl Lumbly, who played Isaiah, which I, I love that. He was like the... After Steve Rogers, Captain America, he was basically the second Captain America. He was a, a black Captain America during the Cold War era. And then the U.S. government quietly put him away. You know, and they didn't put him in jail. Or maybe they did put him in jail, I think. And he ended up escaping and he was in hiding, if I recall the show now. But that guy is going to be coming back. Danny Ramirez, uh, which is, that's the uh, Joaquin Torres um, is the name of the character that will be uh, debuting as as the next Falcon. Let me see. Captain America 4 sets up epic, 
sets up epic battle. The Hulk's legacy legacy has finally gotten the opportunity to move forward again in recent weeks. Thanks to what? Okay. I don't need to know anything about that. Okay. So moving over to what I had spoken about just a bit ago was the Thunderbolts, which they are turning into a, into a movie and it's a loaded movie. I mean, loaded with people. In the comics, this team is usually led by the classic supervillain Baron Zemo, also featuring interesting characters like Hawkeye and Luke Cage over the years. But now, as the MCU has done so many times before, the Thunderbolts movie will bring fans a take on this team that hasn't been used before in any prior media adaptation. And the concept art that was released at the show showed Val, which she was introduced at the end of... uh, what was it? Was it the end of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? I believe because she's the one that ended up, and it's Julia Lewis Dreyfus, you know Elaine from uh, Seinfeld. She's the one that ended up sicking uh, Elena on Hawkeye, and, and you know feeding her information that he's the one that had gotten her sister killed. Her sister killed, which wasn't true. But the team has Val Ghost, which is the uh, the female that we saw in. Ant-Man 2 that had some kind of quantum phase displacement and it hurt her really bad every time she would phase or or every time she solidified I think so her her natural state was to be in phase so she could walk through things and then when she became solid that's when she would get hurt or she was hurt all the time the next character that was uh, revealed also was Red Guardian and we saw him that's David Harbour we saw him in uh, the Black Widow movie. Basically, that ended up being the guy that raised her, her father. Also in uh, the movie, in this new Thunderbolts movie, would be Yelena herself, so the new Black Widow. Also, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier, U.S. agent, which, you know, is... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's son, uh, Wyatt Russell. He's the the hateable Captain America that everybody was making memes out of, which actually I, I didn't hate the guy at all. <laughs> and and I liked his performance and I liked the way that everything played out. He played a uh, kind of like a, a, I guess you would say extremist and patriot. And I understand what the light that they were pain, painting him under. But at the same time, the dude was really likable. So it was... You know, I don't know. I was one of the few people that didn't didn't hate the guy. And then the last uh, character that they are, or that they showed in the artwork was uh, Taskmaster, which happens to be the, uh, in this version of the MCU, it's played by a woman that should have been assassinated by Black Widow. Uh, You know, it was an accidental assassination because Black Widow was trying to get to her dad. And her dad ended up saving her with technology and turned her into a monster terminator killing machine at the same time. So most of these people have same, the same abilities, um, red guardian, Yelena, winter soldier, us agent and taskmaster. I think the major difference is taskmaster is able to process every single fighting style that she comes across and she's, she's able to adapt it to her own and also improvise and, Basically, ultimately, it is able to beat anybody on the planet because, you know, given enough time, because she can adapt. So she stands out a little bit, but 
you know, similar powers to the other the other fighters. The one that really stands out is a ghost because of the that phasing ability. Good fighter, but really, you know, deals with the like uh, what is it, mass and and quantum shifting. And Val, we have no clue if Val has any powers at this point other than she's a mastermind. So I, I'm guessing she's going to be the, you know, to, to borrow from another uh, property. It, she's going to be the, the Amanda Waller of this Suicide Squad group, you know, the Marvel version of the Suicide Squad. You know, which is fine. Like, that, that makes sense. Um you know, perhaps the most interesting thing about all of this is who are they going to pit the Thunderbolts against? Like, where is this group headed towards? Why would they be put together? Why are they being manipulated? Because I believe that they will, you know, that that's what's happening. Typically, I mean, the, the uh, Val character is a massive manipulator. So, Will they be on the side of the angels? Will they inadvertently be on the side of the devil? Like, what's going to be happening here? How many double crosses? Like, it's going to be very interesting to see what the mission is and what the what the goal of the storytelling is. Um, because at this point, I can't even begin to guess, you know, where they would be uh, going with it. The classic Thunderbolts are were put together by Thunderbolt Ross, who had a deep hatred for the Hulk. So, you know, originally way back when, when he put these, this team together, it was literally to stop the Hulk and they definitely could do that. It looks like, you know, the, our main Hulk is not going away anytime soon since he popped up in, you know, the She-Hulk show, but, but who knows, who knows? We, we've uh, yet to see what is, uh, what is going to happen with this team and how they're going to get utilized. So to finish off. <clears throat> the MCU information and news dump. Um, two oddities to, to finish off with. And w- both things can be found online. Uh, one of them is, is a concept idea with uh, one piece of promotional artwork. And the other one is a very odd video. If you go online, you can see... Uh, well, so let me back up. What's been happening at the the Marvel's Avengers campus in California Adventure is uh, Disney has slowly over the you know over the past year they've been rolling out various superheroes so they get you know actors to uh, portray Black Widow or Cap or Loki or Thor or Doctor Strange and you know they come out take pictures with guests and and uh, interact with them a little bit in Doctor Strange's case he's got like a permanent spot there so he also does a show for people and it's it's really cool i, I mean the whole concept is fun especially for little kids it's like a blast well at the show <laughs> at the D23 Expo show they revealed that the Hulk will be coming next to uh to that location and in fact, I think he'll be there this week. If not this week, then definitely next. And it's gigantic. Now, if there's a person in this suit, that's, wow, that's amazing. Because the thing that came out on stage was, I think, eight feet tall. I mean, 
it was standing next to Kevin Feige on stage and it made Kevin Feige look like a little kid. It was nuts and actually pretty frightening. And it was also interesting that they chose to create a version of the Hulk that is wearing the uh, end game suit, you know, that all the uh, heroes wear to go through the quantum tunnel, which is, you know, the Tony Stark suit. Uh, to get to the various locations where they need to collect the uh, the the, um, the Infinity Stones, I thought that was an odd choice, and maybe that choice is the case because they need to cover up the majority of the body of this thing so that you can suspend you know disbelief better. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not really sure, but it's an odd choice and it's an odd looking thing. And it's actually kind of scary how big it is and the way that it moves. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's animatronic probably with a person inside, but man, it just, <laughs> it did not look right. It looks so very strange. The second thing that was, uh, that I, I have to talk about that was also revealed, but in no particular order, because I don't know what was revealed first is that there's a second attraction that is going to be making its way over to California Adventure, um, Avengers Campus. They currently have one attraction there, which is the Spider-Man ride, which is a complete blast. I, I love it. I think it's fun. There's not much to it, but it's just, it's, uh, it's charming and, and it's fun and it, and it gives you a little bit of an arm work workout and that's great. So they revealed that, um, through some concept art, they have Thanos and they have like a, they have this cool, crazy crown on his head and it's King Thanos from the multiverse, I think. And the concept art has all these different heroes from uh, different branches of the multiverse coming together and attacking Thanos while he sits in, you know, in the center looking pretty smug. I don't know what that attraction could be at this point. I don't know. Um, at this point, I don't know what kind of attraction it could be, whether it's going to be something as ambitious as uh, Rise of the Resistance. If you've never had the opportunity to go to Disneyland or Walt Disney World and ride that attraction, number one, I'm sorry, because that is such a blast. It is one of my favorite attractions that Disney has ever built. It is a trackless, uh, it is a trackless ride that is fast paced, has the ability to maneuver in a way that, you know, obviously that something on a track would never be able to, uh, the, it's all done through magnetics and pro and, and programming. And it's, it's phenomenal. I, I absolutely love it. So if they do something like that, and I think they do have the space for it, Ooh, that would be awesome. And I'm really, really hoping that Disney goes ambitious with it. They only released the very you know the artwork and the concept idea that it's going to be a fight against thanos but they haven't released anything else so that should be coming you know in the next few months and the next year we should be getting some some really cool info and so i will keep you up to date as i find as i find out myself but uh yeah that's pretty much it that's all of the mcu that i can think of at this point to talk about uh, some stuff I'm very much looking forward to other stuff is like, man, whatever. But, uh, you know, either way, it's, 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 uh, it's some interesting times. We, we're, in, we're in for some, a lot 
of MCU, whether we like it or not. And uh, most of the time, we do like it. Since we've done so much talking about Disney, I wanted to talk about, uh, or I want to say in that vein, and I think I want to finish off with some Star Wars um, info. So let me say that the thing that got me the most excited when it comes to Star Wars news is not Andor or the Ahsoka show, but season three of The Mandalorian. There is just something, again, the person that cut that trailer, chef's kiss, man. Just mwah. Because it makes you feel like you're in this, I, I don't know. I don't know how to just like this. The, you're in the world of The Mandalorian, which is somehow in Star Wars and outside of Star Wars, connected to the canon, yet, you know, really, truly feels like it is something new that is that is bringing you something that you've never seen before. And that is so tough to pull off. And yet, you know, the last two seasons of Mandalorian have been excellent. The more that I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, we didn't need to bring Luke in for season two. It's fine. And, and the moment was actually really fun and great. Don't get me wrong. Don't kill me. It was fine. It just didn't need to happen. Like Mandalorian is so strong on its own that when the Mandalorian showed up and I can't talk when the Mandalorian showed up in, in Boba Fett season one, it instantly made the entire show much better, which is, that's crazy to say, but it's, I mean, to me, that's the way it feels to me. It's a fact. And, um, yeah. And Mandalorian, uh, season three, just, it looks fantastic. It's gorgeous. The, the way the trailer was cut, you, we're going to end up making our way over to Mandalore, the home world, the issue of our Mandalorian, the one that we know and have been following of him not being a true Mando, but rather being part of a cult offshoot of the Mandalorians. That's going to get addressed. Obviously him in possession of the black saber, uh, you know, the dark saber is also going to be heavily addressed because we got a chance to see, uh, Katie Sackoff who plays, um, Man, I just can't remember her name right now. Like on the show, the character's you know name, but she's basically the the princess of Mandalore who is supposed to have the dark saber, but you know lost it to the the Grand Moff guy, and you know was was offered the thing, but couldn't accept it from the Mandalorian because she technically needs to fight for it in order to be in possession of it. But uh, yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. The other uh, thing that looked really great um, was the casting. I think I I said the casting right for for uh, for Ezra Bridger in season one of Ahsoka Tano went to an actor named Iman Isfandi, and if you look this guy up, E M A N E S F A N D I, it is perfect casting. Well, I mean. When it comes to the look of the character, I don't know if this guy's a great actor, a good actor, decent actor. I have no clue when it comes to that. But when it comes to the look of the guy, I mean, just they nailed it. So, and it, and and the character looks like an, you know, at this point with the hairstyle that I saw, he looks like an a, an older Ezra Bridger who's you know he's been on the other side of the, of the galaxy, trapped with uh, uh, Thrawn. 
So it'll be really cool to see what they do um, with season one of Ahsoka. I am excited for it. It's just Mando is like number one, and then number two would be Ahsoka. Another thing that they showed, which ha- looks like it has really cool potential, and I'm not really sure I understand how this works because I, th- I think what they said they were like shorts, so maybe they're not full episodes or they're just like little vignette stories uh, that tell you the tale of, uh, for example, and it's all animated and the animate the animation is gorgeous, but uh, it's all little shorts taking place uh, like with a young Mace Windu, a young. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn, um, and, and it looks like it jumps back and forth, you know, like timelines, but you also get to see a young, uh, Count Doku and you kind of, I think you get to see the fall and the reasoning as to why he foregoes the Jedi way and ends up becoming an unwit- unwitting disciple of, um, you know, of the emperor. It looks, that looked awesome as well. So, you know, kudos to them on that. And Andor does look good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it actually, Andor looks really, really expensive. Every time I see a trailer for that uh, show, I'm like, wow, that's nuts. I mean, the, the locales and everything. And this is one of those shows, too, where there is, you know, I, I talked about this before, like all these shows rushing to, you know, uh, have representation, quote unquote, where, you know, you pepper the entire world or universe with multicultural people and it it doesn't fit like in wheel of time you know you have a a isolated uh group that lives up in the mountain and if you were if you show up and everybody it's it's you know it's the same race of people and they're all together living in this one spot that makes sense but when you have like every flavor under the sun in a village it's not a city you know, it's, it's not a town. It's, it's a small village. It's like, huh? Like what? And again, that show would have gotten there because the book gets there, but it's just, you know, head scratching things like that. Like doesn't make any sense. Like we know what you're doing. You know, it doesn't serve the story, but with Andor, oh, it, yeah, of course. Like that's one of the beauties of George Lucas way back in the day. And the, the concepts and ideas that are being played with, if you're walking in any town, anywhere in the Star Wars universe, and you see human, alien reptile, alien, you know, human dog, alien, you know, uh, I don't know, bird person, and then you see african-american person and then you see an asian person and then you see a half human half robot person like we've been so conditioned to just go yeah of course like that all makes sense you know like everything is peppered with everything and it's it's a beautiful thing so Andor, the the trailer looks like it's peppered with a lot of different ethnicities no pushback at all that it looks it looks fantastic it looks natural it looks normal it's what we're accustomed to now, if they can pull it off with a really great story where there's a story here and it's not like a, <laughs> it's not some kind of like this is an allegory for the last four years of Trump's reign. And <laughs> as long as it's not that, <laughs> dude, we're going to have a great time, I think. But if if the writers are to push some kind of agenda to keep reminding society 
that, you know, we just had Satan on the throne of America, you know, for four years. And, you know, we were on the brink about, I'm like, ah, come on guys. Like, let's just, can we just go tell a story? Let's just go tell a story about the empire. Let's, you know, let, let's keep the, the evil generic enough that, that the, that evil represents every bad guy that we've ever come across in reality. And that, you know, throw in Genghis Khan, throw in Hitler, throw in, you know, whoever you want, uh, uh, you know, Putin, whatever, <laughs> you know, just insert bad guy. And, you know, the main bad guy represents all those things. And we're just, so then we can just keep it the emperor. Oh yeah. The emperor. Yeah. He's just like all these other guys. These other guys are just like him, but it's the emperor. So Palpatine, let's focus on him. It, if we can do it like that, I think we have a great time. And I think we, we tell a really good and compelling story. So that is, <laughs> that is the final on the, the Disney news that came out of D23. Some cool stuff, some stuff we already knew. Uh, hopefully, you know, if you guys didn't know about some of these things that, that I was able to help you out and, and, uh, give you some, something to be excited about and definitely go check out the trailers online. There's plenty of trailers uh, that you can go watch. I'd love to get some feedback and hear what you guys think about things like werewolf by night, for example, because to me, I'm cautiously nervous, you know, cautiously hopeful uh, about the thing. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping it really, uh, really pops off. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for, uh, I mean, I especially want to say thank you for getting me to the point where anchor has now, uh, recognized that, uh, you know, I'm, I've now hit the mark where I'm able to monetize the podcast through advertisements. And so I don't have one yet. It's something that I guess anchor helps match me up to, you know, the, the type of advertising that would be right for me to, uh, to push on the show. But I'm excited to do that, man. That, that's going to be great. And I, I I couldn't do it without you guys. Couldn't do it without you listening. Couldn't do it without you sharing it with other people. Couldn't do it without, you know, your support. So I just want to say thank you, like, big time. I So much so that I, I feel like I need to step my game up. And I really want to start doing giveaways. And I really want to start, um, you, you know, like, not just encouraging people to to pass this along, but, but to say thank you and give something back. And I think the best way to do it is, is to do it with what I do, which is art. So, you know, art prints and things of that nature. So l- look for that. That will be coming. Um, that's going to be my, uh, my goal, uh, to, to grow the podcast, but to also, you know, say thank you in a variety of ways. So with all that, I, I do want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for, you know, if you can go on and, and, you know, rate the show on, on Apple or Spotify and, you know, give me some, some good reviews. I would appreciate that. I'm sure that helps as well with the analytics and everything. So thank you guys. Have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Take your vitamins, drink your water and eat your vegetables. Talk to you later. Bye.